This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This program is produced by podcastandradio.com Small Biz Small Biz America The Brain Our guest on this segment is a licensed investment advisor representative and the founder of Better Money Decisions, a fee-only investment advisory firm with offices in Albuquerque, Santa Fe, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Kate Stalter is an investment columnist for Forbes, U.S. News and World Report, TheStreet.com, Seeking Alpha, and host of the America Talks Money Financial Podcast. She previously hosted Small Cap Roundup Radio, The Daily Guru, Feature on MoneyShow.com, and also served as an investing coach for Investors Business Daily. That's Bill O'Neill, right? It is. That's right. Kate, welcome to the program. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, David, you know, there's one uh, one current publication that I actually leave off the national bio because on a national scene, it's not really that meaningful. But I think you will somewhat resonate with this one. I am also the personal finance columnist for the Santa Fe New Mexican, and I've been doing that for about five years now. Wow. Oh, you're so prolific. You're just doing all this writing and, <laughs> and, and word has it on the street that you're doing things very differently in sort of your approach to all this, which it seems if I read between the lines, Kate, it's about the emotional side of investing and what that all means. So I'm really interested in this uh, in speaking with you about all of these things. Trading and speculating, these are very different worlds, right? So how do you think mm-hmm. about this? Yeah, you know, and this goes back to what you brought up a a moment ago, that I was at Investors Business Daily for about 10 years, and that was kind of my introduction to the whole, for lack of a better term, really speculating side of the industry. And, you know, I get it that it's it's fun to think, hey, I can pick a winning stock. I can identify something. I I can identify Facebook, you know, before it's going to take off if we go back a few years. Sure, that's that's a, a fun sport. But what we're doing now, David, working with folks who are looking at retirement and retirement is not what it used to be, you know, the next active chapter of their lives, then it's not about did I pick Facebook? It's it's really much, much more comprehensive than that. And, and that in a nutshell is the big difference. And Kate, you also suggest that we really think globally in terms of the investments we make for our retirement, right? Oh, Definitely. You know, we invest client portfolios in in, uh, international stocks, developed markets, emerging markets, U.S. It's funny because I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I actually met with a woman the other day 
who, when the Brexit news broke, I guess mm-hmm. it was more than a year ago now at this point, doesn't feel like it, but it was, and she went and sold all her international stocks thinking everything's going to tank. Well, temporarily it did for maybe a few days, and then it all bounced right back up, and some of these developed market stocks have done really well. So that kind of illustrates the importance of remaining invested in all these different types of securities at all times, because no matter what what the news says, no matter what maybe your gut tells you, you really don't know. And if anybody had a magic formula, well, you know, right, David, like dot, 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 fill in the blank there. Well, right. It's been said, and I know uh, Investor's Business Daily did deal with, you know, chart reading and really interpreting information that was very time-based. But I think uh, from what I'm gathering, you are of the mind that we should be diversified. The mix of diversified portfolio changes as our life goes through its various different chapters. And uh, it's just about really getting that right. Do I have that right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and sure, is there is there some merit to some of this technical analysis? Yes, there is. But ultimately, again, so what? You need to be right so many times and with every single pick. It's absolutely impossible. And even though there is merit to some of the technical analysis, it's still not right 100% of the time. It's about 70% of the time. So that remaining 30% is pretty significant. Exactly. Particularly if you're throwing a lot of risk into the equation uh, in terms of the choices you make or uh, just a lot of capital in terms of the amount of capital that you put against that risk. So it's okay. So... I'm a baby boomer, and so we think a lot about how the the landscape for us, uh, we've got this huge wave of population. What's happening for baby boomers? What are some of the challenges that we're facing as we move into this retirement stage of our lives? Yeah, there's a couple different things. And the first one has been very well documented in the media, and they're correct about this one, is that the boomer generation as a whole has not saved enough to retire. And this is something we see on a regular basis. Now, there's one thing that, you know, for better or worse, is is, is bailing out many of the boomers. And that's the fact that their parents, that pre-World War II generation, they did save. They were much more frugal. Yep. And that great wealth transfer is still underway and will be for quite some time. So that is one thing that's bailing out a lot of the boomers is they are getting some pretty decent inheritances. Kate, for those listening that don't have parents that did a good job of saving capital, uh, preserving capital through their lives, how do you approach that problem? Is there a way in? Yeah, there is. And, And again, unfortunately, it depends on one's age. So if a person is still in his or her 60s and is healthy and is able to work, maybe even start a business, that person has a lot of options. Unfortunately, kind of the older you get, though, the more your options decline. I mean, I had a a kind of a sad story about a couple I met with in Santa Fe a few years ago. The wife was 74. The husband was in his 80s, actually. And they had not saved enough. And there just wasn't they owned a house. So I think eventually they were going to have to they never became clients. uh, But, you know, eventually they probably would have had to sell that house. That would have been maybe the only recourse available to them, I think. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you, you you tug on what you can to get through the day. There's no easy answer to this. And there's really the time horizon as it diminishes and as your options to work and generate new capital into, uh, you know, your, your daily life. Uh, mm-hmm. All of this is 
it is sad and, and there's not a lot you can do. So for those of us who have children who are in their 20s, I, I'm sure you agree. I say to them, look at that time horizon you have and really, really leverage it. You've got so much time to, to invest and to grow your capital. Oh, it's so true. And when you're in your 20s, I think, sadly, that's the time you need to do it. And the message doesn't sink in. And, and, you know, if you don't start in your 20s, and I get it, that people maybe you're scraping by, you're kind of jumping from job to job, you don't have uh, have a lot of you're not getting a lot of traction. Hey, look, if you start at 30 or 35, you're better off than the person who started at 50 or 55. So just the earlier you could start, the better. Absolutely. We're visiting with Kate Stalter. She is with Better Money Decisions, the website www.bettermoneydecisions.com. Americans are seeing inferior portfolio returns, say you, Kate Stalter. What's what's going on? Yeah. And it has really nothing to do with the market, because I know that's a little bit of a provocative statement, because people would automatically say, well, wait a second, the U.S. markets have done fabulous for the past eight <laughs> right. years okay. you know yeah there's um, an extended uh, growth f- uh, thing happening as i understand it yes exactly and uh, you know through thick or thin through two presidential administrations i mean right. just just kind of defying what what the news is chirping all day long mm. um the reason really david is behavioral you know, people tend to like the example I gave a few minutes ago about the lady who sold her international stocks when the Brexit news broke last summer. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing people do all the time. There were a number of people, uh, for example, who did not believe that President Obama would be able to oversee an era of good market performance and they bailed out when he became president. Yeah. Well, they were dead wrong, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then you had another group of people who sold out in November of 2016 when when Donald Trump was elected president and again, you know, they have been proven wrong. I'm not making a political statement either direction, David. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. That's one big thing people need to do is avoid making emotional trades based on your personal politics, what you're hearing in the news. Those two things will lead you astray. They just will not can. They will. And Kate, as you talk about this, it really is an emotional reaction to a very isolated piece of information that strikes an emotional chord, causes you to behave. And basically, as day traders sometimes call it, you don't follow your own rules. Right. You know, which I know this is very different than trading uh, momentum, but 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 the idea is similar, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. And 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 I think in the case of when you're looking at your retirement investing, you want to have a philosophy and that becomes your set of rules. And I want to make clear that, you know, if you have a retirement portfolio, something that's set up to help you survive over the next several decades, because I know that the term retirement portfolio for a lot of people, it's a snooze fest. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big fan of retiring. I, I, I think at the point I stop working, I'm going to feel like, you know, well, what they do with horses when they retire them. You know, it's, uh, I don't like that idea. Well, you know, and I don't have a problem if people say, I want to say, you know, let's just take let's just take a number out of thin air. Right. Say you have a portfolio that's $500,000 and that's set aside to to help you survive and, you know, the generic you, uh, to help you survive for those decades maybe after 70 when you stop working and you're prepared to live to 100, okay, yeah, yeah. because you have to be. 
but if you say you want to carve out 10, 20,000 of a $500,000 portfolio and you're like, I just want to make a few bets on some of these new IPOs. I want to make a bet on Apple, make a bet on Facebook. That's fine. Go have fun with a little piece of, of your overall asset mix that is not earmarked to, to pay the rent, to pay your health care when you're 90 years old. <laughs> you know, it's just, right, right. so it, it's one thing to, to have a little fun. And we have a lot of people that do that. We have a client who uh, he just wanted to speculate a little bit on some marijuana stocks. And he carved out a tiny, tiny portion of money to do that. And that's right. just something fun that, that he and his son do. So that that's a very different thing than saying, how am I going to pay for my living expenses when I'm 90? That's the real question people yeah, need to ask. Yeah. You are very keyed into, and much of what we've talked about is the emotional side of investing and financial planning. What else can you tell us about what we tend to get wrong or, or how we can do this better in terms of really being authentic and honest with ourselves about our emotional relationship to our money and planning around it? Yeah, one thing we see a lot with the boomers, and I'm just, as I'm thinking about this, it's it's yeah. a lot of the women boomers, but I'm not. I think the men need to listen to this too <laughs> okay. because it's not it, you know it's it, this is sort of gender neutral in a sense but sure. I, I think this idea of thinking about I want to leave something to the kids I want people to think about this fact and this is a tough one this is emotional take care of yourself first you know the when you get on a plane, what do they say about those little air, those little yeah, oxygen masks, yeah. right? Yeah, the oxygen puts you, puts yours on first, and then help yep. the person next to you or exactly. your child. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. I mean, I get people. I I still to this day, David, I meet people who walk in and like the first words out of their mouth are, "I want to leave something to my children," and then I look at what I've got, and I'm like, "You're going to be lucky to leave something to you." You right. know, it's in 20 like, years. Yeah, it's like an irrational <laughs> set of values that don't reflect their reality. And really, and a lot of what you do in, in at with Better Money Decisions, as the name suggests, is alignment, right? Mm-hmm. Alignment. It really is. You know, another thing along those lines, too, is kind of getting people aligned here, is hmm. giving money to adult children. We kind of we have a little, you know, we we see this, believe it or not. I'm literally, literally telling you this because we see this. The money goes from New Mexico to Brooklyn to support hipster lifestyles. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I do know what I've seen it myself. I've seen it uh, all around me. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's guilt after a divorce. But you know what? Right. Again, again, an emotional reaction to a small sort of isolated piece of information that really runs deep emotionally and causes you to behave in a way that's not rational vis-a-vis the entire context of your financial plan. It's yeah, yeah, it it really it really is. And, And, you know, it doesn't help that Americans are kind of innumerate. It, it, I don't know if people in other countries are any better. I just know how we are in this country. And, <laughs> okay. you know, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of innumerate. It, it, it's like I think somebody, they kind of look at they're 65 years old and they have $200,000 saved and they somehow convince themselves they're going to be just fine. And, you know, a little back of the envelope calculation would just tell you, mm, you have a little more to worry about here. So it's it's tough and it is emotional because people don't want to face it. The other emotional part of this, David, is that people as humans, we have a very hard time imagining ourselves more than about five years out. Absolutely. It just is. Absolutely. Yeah. 
so it's tough for people to, you know, you can't say to somebody, imagine yourself at 100. You can't. None of us can. We just can't. But it's it, some part of your brain has to, though. So it's it's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. Yeah, Kate. And, you know, it's similar to uh, thinking and actually executing a, a will, you know, getting your papers in order, you know, when you're in your 50s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s about, you know, really planning your own uh, death, which is imminent. But it's really hard for us as humans to wrap our brains around certain things. That's certainly one of them. And uh, this idea that, uh, you know, we tell ourselves we're, we're going to be OK. And I guess we do that to preserve preserve our emotional state so we don't uh, uh, yeah. jump off uh, off of out of a basement window somewhere. So the work you're doing is is uh, profoundly important for all of us, baby boomers, younger, older. Do you have a, a sort of an even client mix across generations or does it tend to be concentrated in boomers? Just curious. Oh, it's the boomers because those are the people who are thinking about retiring and want to know if they're okay. That's who comes to us with those questions. You know, in the popular media, there's this obsession with getting the millennials to invest. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. Huh. I mean, who the, the boomer generation in their 20s and 30s? I mean, yeah, I mean, in my 30s, I was saving in a 401k. And that's great. Like you said or a few minutes ago, we want to encourage the 20 somethings and 30 somethings to do that. But they're not my client. They're not. There's this whole idea of the, the, the millennials are not doing financial planning. How can you do a financial plan at 30 or 35 years old? I mean, you know, stash away some college savings if you have a child. Keep saving in your 401k. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very practical things to do and mm-hmm. you can do a very rudimentary financial plan. But this whole idea that the millennials are are missing out on investments, well, I got news for everybody that's printing up those articles. The boomers weren't working with financial advisors in their 20s and 30s either. No, (laughs) we weren't. And by the way, I think there's also something going on with millennials, and I hate these terms that sort of you know, put people in baskets, but we call them that because it's an age group. Uh, They, they're, they value experience perhaps a little bit more than building capital for cap for the sake of uh, uh, improving capital or increasing their capital base. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I do. And in, in the one sense, I really like that. Because these sort of status symbols are not as important to them. And I think that's great. I think that's really refreshing. Mm. The one thing, though, where they can get into trouble with this is, again, it's the same thing that we all do. It's just human nature is just not thinking ahead to their future selves. And I think they're going to wake up when they're 60 years old and have exactly the same revelation the boomer generation had. And the millennials have another thing not going for them that the boomers had. So we talked a few minutes ago about that wealth transition from the pre-World War II generation to the boomers. So I actually read I read articles about this stuff all the time, and it's hilarious. This one cracks me up that people say, oh, well, that wealth will then go from the boomers to the millennials. I'm like, are you kidding me? The boomers are going to spend it all. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. That's not going to happen. That's right. Yeah. Or or spend it for their lifestyle. They're going to need it to live to 100. You know, it's so it's I I do think I I talked to a woman who's actually I think she's a she's a financial blogger. She's in her 20s. And I mentioned something to her about retirement saving and she kind of smirked and she goes, I'm not ever going to retire. I take many retirements. And I'm thinking, wow, that is one of the dumbest things I have ever heard. 
I, I get what you're saying is that you you want some trips. I mean, I traveled a lot in my 20s and 30s, too, David. I mean, I did all that yeah. and I get it. Yeah. But, you know, this idea that I don't need to plan ahead, that I'm going to feel the same as 80 at 85 as I do at 25. Nonsense. Yeah. Pretty delusional. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So good to be with you. Brilliant stuff. Kate Stalter has been our guest. www.bettermoneydecisions.com is the website. You are working with clients worldwide, I'm guessing, or certainly throughout the U.S. Throughout so- the U.S. Throughout the U.S. Yeah, and that, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because people, you did mention that we're in uh, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Scottsdale. We have clients all over the country. We can work with anybody in any state. Beautiful. For those listening, of course, on the internet, which is everywhere. Anyway, uh, by the way, the uh, website I just mentioned, the phone number, 844 844- Five zero seven zero nine six one, and to reach Kate uh, directly, I guess that's a seven zero two is the extension eight four four five zero seven zero nine six one. Kate Stalter, thanks so much for uh, helping us make some better money decisions. We'll see you next time. Oh, thanks. Small biz. Small biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.